Welcome to Live the Fuel, where we fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. And now your host, Scott Mulvaney. Good day, everyone. That's right, we're back podcasting in the garage again. So, just got back from some business travel, and he just got back doing some business stuff. That's right, it's Brian Strausser. So anyway, stand by, I'm going to do my little intro for the podcast life, and then you guys are going to hang out and catch up with, uh, what did I say? I think we're going to be going with, uh, the struggle is real today, and uh, you'll get that theme in a few minutes, and then obviously some Wilderness 101 racing updates, there's some bikes in the background, so if you're new to the show, yeah, we like the bike, all right? So stand by, guys. All right, good day, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to a new Live the Fuel podcast episode live from this old garage. That's right, it's my giant garage behind my very old house. And uh, we've only recorded, I think, one or two other podcasts in here. So for the regular listeners of the show, that's right, the only gentleman to ever join me to record a podcast in this old garage is none other than the founder of the Strausser Project, uh, somebody who might have a little bit more passion about cycling than even me. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Brian Strausser. <laughs> so, Thanks, Scott. Always nice to be uh, hanging out in somebody's garage. Yeah, right? I mean, well, let's see. To be fair, I think we actually only did record one other show in this garage, and then we did one in your garage. So now we're back to my garage. So one, one thing I guess we can say to the listeners, if you have a garage and you got some space we could set up a couple of, uh, a couple of chairs, we're always looking for different garages to sit in and yeah, chat. There we if, go. Uh, if you might have something like that. There's a theme here. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, we're not really that classy. We have a you know, squat rack behind <laughs> me, some, uh, some horse stall rubber mats underneath me, very CrossFit-esque. Uh, I think we're, these are my camp chairs that we're chilling in that also serve as uh, ski season tailgating chairs in the parking lots of Blue Mountain. And then uh, obviously a box to do box jumps on, which also serves as a great table. So yeah, it's nice, nice. Yeah. I, I'm sporting you know a pair of Carhartts with about eight hours worth of dirt on them from a deck I was just remodeling in Emmaus. So uh, yeah, yeah we're new, always for new and watchers, the guy knows how to work with wood. I mean, legitimately, did an amazing headboard for me off of old wood that I demoed out of this garage. There used to be giant shelves from behind where Brian is sitting right now. So and you gave him new life. I love my wood. That, that is, <laughs> that's, Absolutely. Can you take it so many ways? <laughs> <laughs> I went there. I was, yeah. tra- I was traveling in New Jersey today, so yeah, I already had that Jersey mind. I don't know yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that safe to say, Jersey I, mind? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't always know. consider Jersey to not have much of a mind, but... <laughs> I, was, I was born there, so... <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, you, you were uh, rock and roll on some custom deck work today, weren't you? Yeah, I had a couple... Uh, Couple of this this summer's been insanity. The last couple of uh, kind of got increasingly busier, and just having people that I worked with over time. Now uh, I haven't looked for a job, and I can't tell you when for for all my side work and different things I got going on because I have so many people now that I've built up over the years that I really just stick with the the callbacks. People come. It's like every year. I did something the year previously, we might have worked on their deck, and then this year they want to put a new door on the back yeah, of the house it, or something. It kind of feels like, from what I'm, you're telling me, all these updates, because like, you know, we chat when we're not podcasting, too. So, uh, But admittedly, we usually try and work a podcast in to catch up in like the maximum potency of it. But uh, you, you seem like you've always had the side hustle, right? 
But obviously, now you've realized it's even better to amplify the side hustle because you're really seeing the cash flow benefits, which I love it from the entrepreneurial spirit that we like to talk about on this show too. But it also seems though these people that have known you for a long time, like you said you've had on the list, I almost feel like they've been like waiting to do projects until you made time for this again. And now all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, Brian's back and he's full motion, so let's go ahead and just dump all this on him. Yeah, a lot of that tends to be the case. I, I was out uh, because of my knee issues um, for probably two years or so. I was out a little bit before that because of my daughter. Um, I just was working all the time and it was just getting to the point that I wasn't being the dad that I wanted to be and spending the time with her and seeing what was going on from day to day. Then I took a big break and did very few things in the first couple of years. Um, now we're in a better place as far as, you know, every day is not quite as amazing as the next. Um, you know, now she's a little bit older, but I still, uh, one of the best things I think I got ironed out now finally is the, the happy mix. Um, to get my work done, do a lot of different stuff, but spend tons of time with the family. But yeah, I've been insanely busy to say the least. Well, I love the fact that for newer listeners of the show, like he just dropped in another big powerful nugget is this man has definitely grown. And I've only known you for a few years since running chainsaws at a mountain biking park, but you you do epitomize the power of fatherhood and you do really like to embody the importance of that balance. So I respect that because that's come up in many different ways over our conversations and you never hesitate to remind us of that, that, that lifestyle balance. Yeah, I, I truly live for it. Like I really live for my kids and wanted to be a dad since since I was a kid. <laughs> and uh, you know, I just don't want to miss any of those moments, especially with watching that little girl grow up, you know, every day is pretty cool. Right now she's in soccer, she loves soccer, so I missed the first day and then it was you know, because I was working. Four years old. That's right, yeah, four, yeah, you kick the ball around four. So yeah, yeah, a lot of things start that. happening at four, I, I, I think I hear about. Like like my buddy Jason, his kid's four, and that kid's ripping on a bike. I mean, holy crap, no training wheels, nothing, just crushing it on a, on a, on a bike now. So. Yeah, yeah, we got her a nice news she's got a big girl bike as we call it she loves to ride and we do everything every every weekend i try to do what we call adventure day we'll pick a day in the weekend and we'll go all over the place i try to hit every activity you could plus possibly do uh one of the most recent things we did was went up to the the town that's basically uh it's like a ghost town uh called centralia and it's basically has a is that the one with the coal mine or ground burning? Yeah, it's been with, burning like, forever. And, and people have painted like artwork all over the old roads, right? Yeah, so we went to what's called the Graffiti Highway. It wasn't, you know, that itself wasn't that amazing. I had a friend of mine ask me, um, you know, was it worth taking her family there? Was it fun? Like, is it, uh, you know, was it a cool experience or whatever? I said, well, it's, it's a road covered in spray paint. I said, so as far as fun, I go with my daughter, we, I started, you know, a week prior talking about, you know, next weekend, maybe we'll go, go to a, you want to go to a ghost town? And she's like, what? What's a ghost town? Then I show her pictures and all this stuff and kind of build it up. Then we went to, uh, to Lowe's on the way there. She picked out her own paint color and so we could go out and paint the ground like everybody so did. So is that the theme now? I mean, obviously, for people who don't know about this town, I don't even know, you, you now know more because I've never been there, but I know obviously Years ago, a coal fire erupted underground in the coal mines, and they never put it out. And over the years, it just degraded everything in that area, and then people just needed to move out because it was poisonous gases and everything else, right? Yeah, and they couldn't make everyone move. The awkward thing about going in there is you can see all the crossroads. Like, if you look at the old pictures, it's really amazing what used to be there. It used to be a pretty nice-sized, semi-thriving town. Mm -hmm. And now, um, and I don't know if many people know, but the, the show Silent Hill 
which I don't watch much TV, but no, 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 no. The, the show on TV is actually about that town, the, that church Silent that's there okay. is, is actually uh, is still there. There's a beautiful, like well-maintained, gorgeous church at the top of the hill. Oh. And then everything else is pretty much gone. Do people still go back there and maintain the church? Oh, God, yeah. It's, it looks oh. like it was built yesterday. It's been there for years and years oh. and years. Um, so you can go up and look at that. And, and uh, there's just a couple of people that refuse to move. So there's just... It's just nothing but trees and weeds and, and run-down roads. Kind of yeah. neat to... Well, Mother from. Nature will take over if you don't maintain it. Yeah, right? and, and basically it's like a, like a four-wheeler and motorcycle, you know, dirt right. bike haven up there now. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much... But it is, so is it not dangerous then? I mean, because here's my thing. My, my history of coal mine fires underground are they're worried about, obviously, the earth giving way or, you know, cracking or, you know, sinkholes, stuff like that. Is that still a high risk in that area? I, I don't know that I don't know that it would be a high risk, but I know the highway. There's a highway that goes through there, and they run cars through there all the time. But um, it's always a risk. Yeah. You never know what the actually. There any signs around. up there? And like that road, that piece of the highway that they shut down and that people spray painted on, it's it's got heaves in it, three feet tall, and then it's got gaps that opened up maybe two feet wide and two feet deep from, from the heat, right? Yeah, the from, heat from everything going on underneath. So, you know, I guess you could never truly know what was going on. Well, so do you still see visible smoke, fire, heat, any kind of temperature fluctuations, anything like that? When you're Growing up, I did when we when we go through there um, years ago when I was a kid. But I, when we were there the other day, I didn't see huh. any any smoke anymore. Okay. And I used to see it all over the place, like in different areas, just coming out of nowhere, yeah. in different different areas. Well, it's like it's funny because like the theme of this show, we don't normally have it. It's like with everything you're going on, we're going to get into today, and even me, uh, it's. You know, the theme of the you know, air quote here for the video is, you know, the struggle is real, right? And I'm just trying to imagine the struggle of people of that town trying to keep that community together when all that started going down. And then obviously year after year after year, people just eventually realized we got to get the hell out of Dodge. And, but there's still a few people who just never left. Like they're just saying, yep. hey, we're yeah. here just refused. It was their home. You know, it's well, how far where they grew up, where they town? raised their kids. The next closest town, how far away? Um, the, the towns that you go through aren't, aren't real big towns to begin with, but it's a couple miles. It's not, it's not so it's real awful remote. far. It's pretty remote. Yeah, it's, it's pretty remote there. Okay. And like, you call it a ghost town, but like, are most of the buildings still standing? Have some of them started? No, it's around? mostly weeds and trees. The ones that are standing, people are living in. Everything else is pretty much gone. Oh, on the ground. Do you remember the year when they closed that town? I don't. It was and obviously when you were a kid, right? Yeah, so... I don't know how old I, I was born in 74, so if I had been 10, so maybe 80, for somewhere around, yeah, I would say somewhere around the early 80s, maybe. And now we're in 2019, so what, that's like, you know, that's 30 plus years ago. Wow. Yeah. Well, hey, let's go with the struggle is real, right? So you and I decided to sit down today because, one, we were just geeking out about GoPros before we hit record today. So, uh, yeah, that's basically the. Uh, basically required accessory of any real adrenaline junkie and I've been slacking but I finally got around to getting mine after our ski wedding um, but I did borrow a friend's GoPro for the ski wedding uh, because I could not miss out on getting footage so but now I'm like okay now that gave me an excuse to help me figure out exactly which model which by the way for anybody listening to this quick GoPro hacks if you're shopping for a GoPro do not buy the Hero 7 white do not buy the Hero 7 silver Go right for the Hero 7 Black, and my my biggest reasoning is you can swap the batteries, and the Hero 7 Black has the new motion 
basically anti-vibration sensory software in it, so you can just shake the crap out of it, and you've got a beautiful still image. I borrowed a Hero 7 Silver for the wedding trip, and it did not have interchangeable batteries. And I was like, oh, because I used an old one from years ago, and I just thought all GoPros swap batteries. Well, apparently they changed that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now you getting into the GoPros again, did you do all that research like I did, or like? I did, I just with... talked to you. <laughs> <laughs> See, there you go. Uh, why waste time when you know somebody else is already? Yeah, you just go to the last guy that did geek out on it. The, the, one, the one thing I had to touch on that you just said that kind of cracks me up here, here, this is why me and Scott get along so well, because his, I don't even know how to put this into words, but the, the how much he didn't make sense there makes perfect sense to me in the way that if my wife heard me say, you know, you know, like the must-have, you know, uh, item for a adrenaline junkie is a GoPro, that makes perfect sense to me. And as soon as my sister actually who does a lot of like mission trips and stuff to Africa, she wanted one to be able to record some of her life. Which I thought was they, super cool. I never knew that until you told me that last week. Yeah, a lot, a lot of neat stuff she's done. She actually went to to live over there for a while, but unfortunately the the place that she was staying in ended up being what you wish it wouldn't be where, you know, there was money situations and not using it for the right stuff and, and it just wasn't for the right reason. So she yeah. couldn't be a part of that and, and ended up coming home, which in hindsight was great because her daughter now has a, a little boy. So mm -hmm. she's a grandmother, which is awesome. She got to experience and be there for Wait, all how old is your sister? A couple years older than you? 11 years older than me. So oh, 40, okay. Yeah, 50 or 45, uh, 56 ish, yeah. still somewhere around there. I mean, that's young to be a grandma, so. Yep. Good for her. So, you know, and the fact that I was already talking about it because, or thinking about it because of my little girl and all the crazy stuff that we do, and I have a diary that I've been writing in ever since she was born of everything, because one of the most disturbing things to me was to think about all the time and effort I put into my kid and all these awesome experiences and things that we do, and then you grow up, and you don't know that they ever did that for you, you're right. a parent. So I have a really cool book with a really neat saying on it that, now I don't write in it as much because she's a little bit older and we'll go a week or two without doing you know different things, but any, any first of anything that we did, like that trip to the graffiti highway, I wrote about it, things that we said, stuff that she did, the color of the paint she used, like this well, all You're basically cataloging, I mean, the newer verbiage, a blog. It's just it's not a blog. It's not online. Right? Yeah. It's, it's your own internal blog. And then I guess now with a with a GoPro you could vlog. Yeah. <laughs> and when she gets when she's old enough and I'm not writing in it anymore uh, and and everything's you know she's remembering everything and experiencing the stuff in like a different level. I'm gonna make being woodwork and stuff. I'm gonna make a really cool box to put it in and I'm gonna give it to her as something. I, I haven't decided. I'll know when the time is right, but it'll either be like a, an 18th birthday, uh, 21st, maybe when she gets married, uh, you know, I, I don't know how long I'll hoard, you know, hoard on to that thing until I decide to give it to her, but I'm going to wait for something special. And, or and when she starts going into the teens when they're acting out, and you need to remind her of how awesome of a relationship you have when she's <laughs> acting out, because I feel like everybody has said that every kid, especially a daughter, will eventually do that. Yeah. Um, it's gonna happen. I'm sorry, bro. I, I know you love. I was an asshole. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, never was. I 
mean, I know nowadays. There's nowadays, a whole bunch of gray hairs my parents got came from me. Yeah, I mean, nowadays it's, it's a big faux pas, but I mean, I, I was such an asshole every once in a while. I got the belt, you know, I, I got, a, got a yard. I never, that's funny them. because we always had the wooden spoon, and one of the things that, uh, I guess, being the, the youngest, I don't know, they're all over all that at that point. And I never, I don't even know, my mom used to smack the shit out of me just being nutty, but. <laughs> Um, it more that was more like a kind of like a swarm of bees. Mm-hmm. Um, and but my dad, I, I always had a lot of respect for my dad, still have a lot of respect for my dad. And he would say stuff like, uh, you know, either call me a dipshit, and that would be about the extent of it. And, yeah. But the biggest thing he could do to me to, to upset me is just tell me that I let him down, you know. That, oh, yeah, because that, that's just not something I want to do. Yeah, so there you that, go. That was all I needed to hear. Parenting tips, <laughs> people. I mean, hold your kids accountable. I mean, I turned out somewhat all right. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll semi semi spank my daughter maybe ish. Yeah, but uh, I don't we don't really talk about parenting much on this show. But <laughs> it's a part of life. I'm sorry. Like I mean, I I really do appreciate how I was raised. Whether you want to promote a spanking or a yardstick or a fly swatter or a, a, you know or a belt, and the belt was rare. I, I just know. promote discipline. I don't care how you get it. Um, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not for hitting your kid. That makes no sense to me. For you know, no, to it's get some people do it. Yeah, yeah. Not, not meaning that what was done when he was wrong. I mean, I smacked my kid. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not saying like, oh, beat the shit out of your kid. That's no. how you get him to do stuff. But if I have to smack my kid behind after telling her five times yeah. and explaining something to her, she's still not getting it. Then she's sitting on the chair and I'm smacking her ass. But yeah. my, dad, um, my dad threw me once across the room because I swore and said the F word to my mom. And obviously I was too young to say something like that. But it wasn't just because I said it. It was because it was in a very disrespectful way, and I think he didn't stand for that. And I got to go and uh, say hi to our dogs because when I went airborne across the kitchen, I landed. I slid <laughs> across the floor right into the dog, uh, the mudroom where the dogs were laying, and they had they jumped. I just remember this day they jumped up and sprinted out of there as I landed into the coat rack next to them. So yeah, good times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People wonder why I like jumping my bike. I, I, I've been I was raised in the air from time to time so uh, but hey the struggle is real right <laughs> speaking of which let's, let's, get in, let's get into some dirt talk about uh, yeah. a little uh, a little bit of some things going on here with, with the biking yeah. world and which by the way we are surrounded by bikes and my, my bike stand you guys can't see it off of off the screen here but literally the tripod is set up right in front of my maintenance stand because I was moving around the, the workmanship area but um, Brian man you, you, you went try to tackle a little race to train for the race. Correct. Is that not right? It was an eye-opening experience. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, it did not go the way you wanted it, is what I, I, I can tell. Correct. Okay, so let, let's dive in. What was the race? It was Baker's? The, the Leesburg Baker's Dozen. There it's a 13-hour event in uh, Leesburg, Virginia. Went there with a friend of mine that I worked with, got him into riding again. He rode a lot before he came to work with us, but uh, since being there, his work area is about two work areas for me, and it only took about two months, maybe. I think he's bought three bikes, work stand, you brought new this up camping on our last gear, episode. like all sorts of stuff. Yeah, so, uh, that was a great story, by the way, in the last episode you were on, because you, you talked about how it, it was a perfect embodiment of how we surround ourselves with the right people, right? And we, we help create positive influence on others. So even if you're not <clears throat> riding at your tip-top shape, that's already a great success story. Correct. Yeah. and. I've always ever done this stuff to have fun. I've never done this stuff to, I've never been competitive both mentally or physically in the way that 
I'm trying to beat someone outside of just trying to better myself. Um, I was always the bigger guy my entire life. I was an extremely bigger guy at one point. Um, lost a ton of weight, ran marathons, did all sorts of crazy stuff, adventure races and things. Um, when I got into my biking, which was before all that, um, the, the biking was just to become healthier. And it was something I loved ever since I was a little kid. And I did some cross country stuff. A lot of those guys are lean, mean, fighting machines super fast and it's a short race. So I was ending up riding less racing than I was if I'd just be out with my friends on the weekend so that I went into endurance events um, because I love to torture myself. Like I, I truly enjoy finding out what I'm made of, not compared to what they're made of or somebody else, but you know, just setting some, some points and, and trying to better myself the next time. I've done the Leesburg race twice that I would say I actually showed up and, and raced like a human being. Am I ever fully prepared? I would say with my work history and the, the way I handle myself, my work, I get pretty obsessed with some of these things and I work a lot. And uh, then my family is such a high priority, I tend to put myself on the back burner a lot, and my, mm -hmm. my fun. And a lot of times my fun is with my kids or my wife or whatever, it's just not to the level of quote unquote training. And um, uh, the first couple of times I did Leesburg Baker's Dozen, I did it on fully rigid single speeds too. So the, the one year I did... Real quick, for the newer listeners who don't have the obsession about mountain biking, please define fully rigid single. Fully rigid single speed, uh, the, the actual bikes were called a Kona unit. It's an all steel bike, has no suspension in the front, no suspension in the rear, and huh. it's got one gear. So I'm gonna jump off mic and do a visual for the video V. So. Very, uh, very scaled back, kind of like a BMX bike for adults. Um, and at the time, although I've always had knee issues, uh, they're not nearly you know what they became through my running and, and all the other stuff going on. But uh, I, to me, it was just me against the mountain type of thing, and, and that's why I like those kind of bikes. Um, now I ride a full suspension, similar to the, this is the Cannondale Scalpel. Full suspension. Um, I ride a Pivot Mach 429 Trail, and it's like the Cadillac DeVille um, of, of mountain bikes. It's so cushy compared to what I used to ride. That it allowed me just to do more um, and, and still try to get out and do some of the things I was trying to do in the past. But going this year, uh, I didn't have enough time to prepare. Well, I had enough time days-wise, but my work had gotten so out of control and we got a lot of things going on at home and, and stuff with my wife's work and having three kids and whatever, so you're forever chasing the almighty dollar. And uh, I just was working enough and not, or working too much and not riding enough. And my knee problem is continuing to, uh, to worsen. So as I got to the event, and started out, I was shooting for, I didn't even have a number in my head, but I ended up only doing, I think it was two laps. The weather was actually great, can't complain about the weather. My bike was, I'm the one that works on my bike. It was fully tuned and ready to go. Um, my hips locked up, I was getting an awkward pain in my hips, and it wasn't so much even my knees. I wouldn't even say my knees, quote, shot me down. Um, my hips were cramping up and I couldn't even pedal my damn bike. But uh, it literally got to the point where I was just going to leave myself sitting out there. I was going to really end up hurting myself. And unfortunately, at this point, I'm not the 20-year-old kid living out of my car, you know, driving around a little Pontiac vibe, and I slept in the darn thing and everything else, going to these mountain bike events. Now I got a lot more stuff on my shoulders to deal with, so I ended up, just to be safe, pulling the plug, which 
I would say it's probably the first time I ever pulled the plug on anything that I that I went out to do. Well, let's be real. I mean, are you really necessarily? Okay, again, yes. Some people look at it and you're pulling the plug, right? But is it is it for intelligence, <laughs> or is it for just being like if you didn't pull the plug, there could have been some stubbornness tied to that, which we both have, and then other things could could happen in a more negative way, right? <laughs> yeah, correct. Like, your, your knees are pretty beat up. I, I, I've i known about it, but I had no idea it reaches to those points of severity. Yeah, I just recently went to Pottstown again and get shots. I get this uh, Sinovisc or something it's called, um, basically lubrication for my joint. Actually, the past couple of times it was a lot more helpful. Yeah. Um, this time, I also questioned whether I did it too soon because there's kind of like, it, it was the week prior which I thought would be plenty early enough, and I thought it would actually be a good time to yeah. do it. Um, but I'm thinking that could have also been a bit of a problem because the biggest confusion to me was I was going up really early on the weekends to a place like Jim Thorpe, parking and riding, I forget, 40 or 50 miles or something one day, um, ripping around the, the woods and climbing Flagstaff Mountain, which is yeah. crazy steep. The Leesburg Baker's Dozen is almost flat in, in, as far as what I would consider mountain biking so what i was doing in jim thorpe was to prepare me for the wilderness not for leesburg leesburg right. was fun so yes yeah, for people that don't are familiar with jim thorpe the terrain up there you are kind of tucked into this river cutting through there so you have a lot of different terrain shifts so we can relate this to fitness because you're you know i get it because you're a former trainer is it's about it was more interval training right <laughs> yeah versus the longer stretch endurance style yeah yeah and just climbing. I would go up there to just ride uphill. Okay. It's the only place that has, has really long uphill, so you can ride the switchback, it's called, and then there's this place called Flagstaff Mountain um, up by Mawchunk Lake, and, and it's just a lot, a lot of climbing. Yeah. In the past, I've gone up there, and this is, this is what I'm talking about, enjoying the torture myself. There's nothing fun. I used to go up there years ago. There used to be a Jim Thorpe mountain bike weekend. Okay. And it was like a four-day event. It was awesome. And one of the big rides that we used to do, you'd have to go up, Flagstaff Mountain to get to the actual beginning of the trails, which eventually ended up coming down through the woods and you end up back close to camp. But there's nobody in their right mind that ever enjoyed climbing up that mountain. <laughs> so when I would prepare for things in the past, I'd go up, park my car, watch on Lake, just go down to that hill, and I'd just ride up it to the top, and then I'd roll back down. Then I'd ride back up it. And then go. I'd roll back down. And then I'd, I think I did it three times in a row, it was the most ever and if you see this hill it's it's one of those ones you see such a distance and you're like oh my god and once you get there it hangs about 30 degrees to your right and you see the whole thing again and once you get there it hangs about 30 degrees to the left and you see the whole thing again yeah. and then you're finally cresting so it's bigger than what you realize yeah it's yeah. it's horrible <laughs> <laughs> and i love it <laughs> yeah. nice yeah so it was I was bummed, so I came back. I've been getting slack since the day I signed up for the wilderness for my wife, just because she knows me better than I do, I think, as, as funny as that is, but uh, she knows that she runs. She's done half marathons and stuff. She yeah. saw me training in the past for a lot of other events when I was doing this stuff more often. I didn't have the knee issues as, as much uh, in the way. And she basically, over time, not that she's not super supportive of me and my nuttiness, but uh, she was always telling me, no, you just don't have time you know, your schedule's too crazy, you work too much, you got too much with the kids, we got soccer, baseball, you know, all this different dance class, one thing after the next, and I wanna beat all that. You know, mm -hmm. some people wanna be on their bikes and, and 
push that stuff to the side and let their wives deal with all of it. But I want to be at all that. So I ended up, she was right, I hate to say it, but I just wasn't getting out riding as much as I should. Yeah, but I'm not either. But then again, I don't have your knee injuries. So. Yeah. Like, it's funny you and I are talking about this right now because we, again, theme of the show, this one is kind of going, the struggle is real. It's like, he and I are going to have different struggles. Like, I'm also quite, I don't have the kid, and well, I now have a wife, so I do have that. But I don't have the kid. I get used to the ring thing. And, um, but I also work a lot, where I travel a lot. And I've realized, like, you know, I'm not ramping up my training like I normally would have by now. And uh, granted, that will just one once not until the end of July. And it's, we're recording this now in approaching the middle of April, uh, May, or beginning of May, whatever. The point is, is I'm like, now because of what you just did, you reminded me, oh yeah, other years in the past, I would train for events leading up to events. So now I'm signing up for a couple of road biking events. It's not mountain, but it's time in the saddle. Uh, one of them goes up Hawk Mountain, so I'll get some hill training in. And they're, they're usually like 60 plus mile events. And that's hard to train for on a mountain bike, right? Yeah, I've seen, I, I've been to the Wilderness 101 before, and I made it to a uh, second rest stop, whatever, until I got pulled for time. And I think that was about 42 miles or something like that that I'd done up there. And the majority of the beginning was, I was just getting into the stuff that I'm good at, which is the tight, twisty single track and the, yeah. and the more um, technical riding. Okay. Up until then, a good 35 miles of the beginning was a ton of gravel climbs. So, Ooh, so the, uh, road, road climbing and stuff like that, yeah. Okay. Um, mostly, you so know. So you're teaching me stuff right now. I don't know anything about it. Road, road climbing and stuff. <laughs> any, any climbing you do is going to be good because that's basically what you do. Uh, the whole thing's like one big climb because you, you might climb for half an hour, 40 minutes to get to the top of something insane. And I don't care if it's twice as long downhill, it only takes you a Five third minutes. of the time. Yeah. You know, you go right down. And then you're climbing again. So basically, you're you're climbing all day. Is what yeah. it feels like. Okay. Um, I, but I, I wouldn't I, I say I was prepared the last time, and I and I still did forty some miles. You know, that's where the mental comes in. I was super bummed when I got pulled, and I was still able to ride. I just wasn't keeping the pace. So there was going to come a time that, te- technically, I, I don't know. Could I have done it if they let me ride until the next afternoon? Sometime, sure, probably, but. Um, you have to keep a certain time as a cutoff, kind of like an Iron Man type of thing. But okay. it is it is no joke. It is definitely something that you need to be prepared when you show up. And after Leesburg and having what happened, um, and just knowing my schedule. And, and this week, I'm trying to get a million things done. Took off from my regular job. A lot of the stuff I do is my side job, side work stuff. Um, just trying to get a bunch of things going on. Got some health issues with my dad, uh, which you're going with yep. through your father as well. So I want to spend some time again, get back to my family life a little bit it's not always about the almighty dollar so um it just was a smart decision to say you know this one just isn't for me yeah well and so part of the update is i'm still signed up for it, and the only reason why i got signed up for it is because he was doing it and then it popped into my head because from the newer listeners back in january i decided to collapse my left lung that was a fun adventure but i feel great now so i'm rebuilding the fitness uh since then and so i'm still gonna do the race um I decided to do it not just because Brian was doing it, but it became ended up being like a goal of mine. I'm like, I don't like being kept down, right? So like earlier in the episode, you dropped a keyword of discipline, right? We were kind of joking around about it regarding our parenting, but that discipline carries through life in many different ways, 
And in this situation where it's like, okay, I need to be disciplined with my training. I have my old road bike in my office set up on a trainer right now. So when it is raining, I can spin my legs. So I'm putting the, you know, the components into place. But in the end, I still have to be disciplined enough to put the time in. I gotta spend time in the saddle. For me, it's not always about the legs. It's also about like your butt. Like you gotta, people don't do long distance cycling events. Oh yeah. Your butt and your taint. There's a million things. Will be quite small. <laughs> I don't care how good of a chamois you have in your bike shorts. That long of a race, like I've never done a 100 mile mountain bike race. The longest ones I did in Colorado, I did some in the uh, Rocky Mountain Endurance Race Series. Those were 65ers. And, so. I, and I can't stress enough that's not even 100 miles. Like it is, you are riding to the moon in this ride. <laughs> you, need, you need to go out and climb your ass off. Every time I could get on my bike, I, the only turn I made was uphill. If there was a way to go left or right and one was uphill, I went uphill because that's the best thing you do is just literally climb your ass off preparing for this thing. Because that's, okay. that's what it is. You know, it's, it's just a huge climbing event. So it's all about granny gear. Well, <laughs> yeah, a lot. For, for, the, for people who don't bike, granny gear, meaning the easy, faster spinning gear on your drivetrain. So uh, if you had a single speed, as you referred to earlier, you only have one gear. So you have to be prepared to suffer. Uh, <laughs> I, actually, I never asked you. So what is the expected completion time? Not to win it, but like, what is the average time to take to do the Wilderness 101? It's got to be all day event. It is an all-day event. I, I forget what the actual cutoff is. I don't know if they're coming in. You leave really early, so I think you go out at like... You probably start your pre-sunrise, either, right? Either 7, no, it's like yeah, 7 or seven or 8. They bang this big gong in the morning, which is pretty funny. Um, part of why I like racing mountain bikes is everybody does it's crazy. So like when you, all, all the people show up, like everybody's adrenaline joking. There's not, there's not one boring human being at a 100 mile no. mountain bike endurance event like you're just walking around trying to see you know which guy's crazier than the next and girls because there's a special about, caliber there, there's a ton of girls out there that handed my ass to me more than you could imagine oh yeah like uh, uh what, what is your girl i was just i was just like celine yeah that's celine. that's she's a different level one thing i love about celine i read something she wrote one time and this is what's cool uh about her <clears throat> about her is she said it was a time in my life, you know, where her fitness was coming up. She's getting stronger. She's doing this, that, whatever. And she goes, you know, I thought I really had a chance like, to be kind of as fast as the boys. And then it wasn't, it was like soon thereafter, she, she said to herself something like, I can be better than the boys. Ah, <laughs> nice. Yeah, she's hardcore. So when my, uh, well, my little girl was uh, How do you say her last name? Jaeger? Jaeger. Celine yeah, Jaeger, Jaeger, ladies and gentlemen. Bicycling magazine. Follow her on Facebook. I mean, she's a wildcat. I mean, love it. I gotta get her on she's the on show. She's on the Paceline podcast, also. Yeah. I listened to that. Yeah, time. she just they just aired another show. I saw her post that. I, I still, we're gonna get her on. It's just trying to match up schedules has been wonderful. Super, super cool person. Um, she's yeah. met with me every time when I when I had never run a half a mile. She sat down with me at a coffee shop because I've known her personally now for years. And and uh, you know, like the first question was, "Do I have a shot at this? <laughs> like, can I can I make this happen?" And uh, she's like, absolutely. And, and she gave me some tips. She met me for the Wilderness 101, and I was going over some different things. Gave me a really cool book, her book, Climb, or The Climb, uh, which is great. Read that. And, uh, is that her book? Did yeah. she read a book? I yeah, she, she, wrote, she, a book. she wrote a ton this? of books, a bunch of fitness books. And, okay. And I'm actually in a book uh, with hers. Unfortunately, I'm not where I was at that point, but it was a book on fitness and losing weight and different stuff like that. She yeah. kind of interviewed me and my name and everything's in, and then she gave me a copy, which is cool. That's cool. Of this book, but um, 
Yeah, so really, at this point in the game, and it was funny, a little back there too, my, my wife actually thanked me for basically making a smart decision. She knows how I am, you know, how I feel about this stuff. She knows how pissed off I am about my knees and, and dealing with this bullshit. Um, you know, the doctors and everybody else under the sun tells you, like, you gotta, you know, change the way you live, basically, which is kind of like the way you are. Uh, I, I live according to, you know, how I want to live, you yeah. know, what I want to do. So I don't want to not do some of this stuff. Like, it's, and it's easy for people to say, like, oh, you know, it might be time to kind of, Give it a break, or maybe you know, hang up the whatever. And, and uh, like no your, offense, but like your mom. Fuck you. That's what I said. I'm not. I'm not saying that was just bad timing. He was not saying that. Yeah, that was when to I my mom. mom. I don't think I ever said the f word from my no, mom. Ever. No, that was not really. I was bad timing. <laughs> but uh, it, I will say, like his mom loves him. But I, I, you know, we're friends now, and I see her commenting on your on your posts, and uh, I know yes. she's commenting because she loves you and she's concerned about you. Uh, we would never say that to her. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but really, what, like it's and again, I, I wish I wish for everyone. I say this to my my stepsons uh, all the time. Like I, I hope that they find something that they can be so passionate about yeah. and enjoy so much. You know, it's it's you, you can't put into words what it's like to do what I do and feel how I do about it. Yeah. And and to try to explain that to someone, you can't. So the way I do it and and what I do is is I show people that. Like I just did, I did that fun little thing where I had everybody guess how many miles I was gonna do at the debacle at Leesburg. Well, the girl that yeah. won, she had been trying to get, she'd never been on a kayak. So um, I set up, you know, her and a friend and me, and I said, we're gonna bring out the celebrity books, my daughter, and we're gonna take her out somewhere, go paddling, and then we're gonna go to this amazing ice cream place by Dr. Benson, everybody loves Oh yeah, Wow Cow. So I, I gave her- Wow Cow? Oh Wow Cow. Oh Wow yeah. yeah. So basically I gave her, you know, an adventure. And anything I got, like in my garage from the last podcast, there's very few outdoor items that I don't have. And uh, I yes. always offer it up to There's anyone. more space in this building, but he definitely has more gear. Like I have a lot <laughs> of gear, but in, he's got a lot of gear in a very tight location. I'm very impressed. And that's why I work so damn hard because, uh, you know, growing up, very small town, my mom had a daycare in her house, my dad worked for Sears and Roebuck back, to, back when it was something, and, uh, you know, we had everything that we needed, don't get me wrong, my parents bent over backwards to make sure I had, you know, I would say more than what I needed, but I didn't have a lot, you know, I didn't have a lot of, I always wanted a motorcycle, I always wanted a four-wheeler, I talked about it my entire life, never owned one. As soon as I got away, like, grew up and started to make my own money, I've had two motorcycles, you know, now I got kayaks and this that whatever and if the kids want to do something you know i figure out a way to make it happen because it's it's just what makes me tick you know, that's what I well it goes back to the gopro right uh which again full circle for that point he made earlier yeah Kristen, new wife before we even got married i told her i'm gonna get a gopro for the wedding and she's like you don't need a gopro and i was like <laughs> she's like half your friends have gopros and they record shit and then do nothing with the content <laughs> and i said Okay, but you do know that you're marrying the one guy who has no problem slapping content up everywhere. So, out of anybody in our inner circle, I'm the guy that should have a GoPro. <laughs> so, obviously, I bought the GoPro. Uh, <laughs> I just got one because you did, and it just sounded cool. Well, see, there you go. Wait a minute, hold on, that just got documented. So does that mean I'm gonna hear it from your wife? Because like, if she ever hears this or watches this, that means I just got held accountable. Now. Yeah, she don't even know I got one I'll take it, I'll take it, I'll take it. Well, anyway, so, but the point is, is that 
I love the fact though that we're making a joke about buying something that, and this is totally first world problems, right? Let's be real, there's people out there who struggle, there's people out there trying to make the extra side cash. Uh, I love the fact that you define that you have these goals and that's why you have the side hustles. Like, dude, I'm doing this to do these other things. And I love the fact that you tied what can be considered a very expensive purchase, right? But you tied it for you and your sister to very important things that are tied to passion. So your sister obviously cares a lot about her international, international activities and giving back. Uh, you and I both know that I care a lot about four purpose activities. That's one of the reasons why you and I have connected. Um, you know, the GoPro is going to be more than just slapping it on my bike, right? Uh, we just recently in the past week or two, I haven't gotten the paperwork back yet, but I now have started the process to finally create a not-for-profit. It's going to be called, as long as the government likes it, uh, it's going to be called Fuel Foundations. And this will be the first episode we've even talked about it, really. And I've already named Brian as one of the trustees, as well as Kristen, because she's the wife and I need somebody to keep me in check. Uh, so, so I, you know, Brian and I have already just casually, through shits and giggles randomness, like did a few not-for-profit activities in the past year just relating to bikes. And one of the things that was annoying was like our boy Steve LeBrake. Like we got to hook up John uh, with that new hand trike. And I was like, dude, or hand bike. And I said, you know, it would have been nice to help Steve tie whatever he's doing to a not-for-profit. And then I know we eventually want to help John get his going, but he's a busy guy. And shout out to John. And uh, but it's like you know what the hell? Why don't I just do it myself? <laughs> yeah, so, I'm psyched. Fuel foundation is in motion. <laughs> this is one of those things because one note to self: this doesn't involve my knees, so I can do a whole hell of a lot of you know for this yeah. sitting, yes. <laughs> like we are right now. So um, yeah, you know, it, it's the the struggle is real with the yeah. knee situation lately, but. Um, I'm real excited for this because there's a lot of different things, a lot of different ideas and stuff I have. And even my my son, who's kind of my stepson, is taking after me with some different things he's got coming up uh, with helping kids get on skateboards. He's really into skateboarding, yeah. which I've been up until I was 42. And well, the, anno- apart, but. the annoying thing with the, the paperwork process is, is like, you know, just so that for anybody who ever wants to start a 501c3, feel free to reach out. Uh, I'm not going to enjoy consulting on it, but I can at least talk to it now. Um, they really want you to define. What your what your charity is standing for, and it's hard because I the reason why I chose Fuel Foundations is not because Fuel obviously is a big part of my brand and what I'm trying to embody and you know fuel people, um, but I want to have some of the freedom to help multiple organizations or or vice versa, right? Like so, John cares a lot about uh, living with cerebral palsy, so I want to be able to help him, and that's why we kind of tied together the bike projects. So usually, just like Live the Fuel, the brand is tying together health and fitness and lifestyle. So as long as the government lets me, I want to be able to help multiple things. So why not bleed over into skateboard activities if there's somebody who needs some support and we can raise money? The biggest reason why I did this is to create a vehicle, right? Like I, a year and a half ago, decided to turn Live the Fuel into a for-purpose business model. You know I've talked a little about that, but I, I set aside a percentage of my gross income for nonprofit activities. Well, now this is like the next step because I could literally just take that money and now put it right into a foundation that can then help other groups or organizations who might not have their 501c3 status. And one thing that you and I realized was, like uh, shout out to the uh, the Jandal family, right? Like they stepped up through a grand at that bike project. And I was like, holy crap, because I had no idea that he had a cousin that was living with cerebral palsy. So, it, yeah, and he didn't, even, he didn't even like, 
skip a heartbeat, didn't even care if we had a 501c3 or not, which was awesome. But there's a lot of people out there that do want to see that. They want to know that the money is being tied. Oh, and obviously some people just want to be able to write off more of the taxes. So like, okay, let's create the vehicle. Um, you know, it's kind of like, what's the old field of dreams? Uh, you know, if you build it, they will come type of thing. What if that is? So that's why I'm doing this. Maybe we start off small and we're only doing one bike a year. But I also have my Hot Shots 19 project every year, right? I give back uh, with, with a CrossFit workout honoring the fall in 19 Grand Mountain Hot Shots, my, my brothers from my old career. So it's like, great. I'm definitely going to be tying that to it. It's so it, we ended up going with you know, a theme around these health and fitness related type of activities in, in the bylaws, which I'm still getting documented, which you'll see. So again, this is all, ladies and gentlemen, this is literally very fresh. Like, I think I told you what last week? Yeah. yeah <laughs> so, uh, but I'm looking forward to having Brian on the council because he gets it. And, and I think that's something that I wanted to have come up on this show is that this, that theme of struggle is real. He just was honest with you guys. Like, dude, he's never backed down from a race. And he's, got, he's not backing down. He's just recognizing where he's at and not sacrificing his lifestyle that he has built for him, his wife, and his, his daughter. So I respect that. I wanted to make sure you, you, you knew that. And he's already volunteered to still stay in my corner, which I have a feeling I'm gonna need because I haven't done a 65 mile mountain bike race in, since living in Colorado, and that was 2012. So yeah, long, it won't be an easy ride up drive. No, uh, it's gonna suck, right? <laughs> Yeah, it yeah, won't be an easy We're going to be racing the sun. It wasn't that easy after 40-some miles up there, let alone doing it after 100. Okay. All right. So yeah, I'm not going to enjoy my life that day. Uh, but yeah, kind of with the theme of the show, though, right? Like, that's why we do these things. I, I'm i twisted. I like to break myself down to rebuild myself, right? Well, on that, on that note, too, like, part of what I started before, I got off on a tangent. My wife thanked me for being smart enough yeah, and just yeah. making that smart decision to back down from this. She said it just was the right thing to do right now. Yeah. And she says, it's just too much, you know, it's too much for anymore. You got too much going on. Not that you can't do it or couldn't have done it at one time, but just now's not the time and, and whatever, you know, it's just not the event for you. And I looked at her real seriously laying in bed. I said, I know, you know, I agree with you hundred percent. And you know, it just sucks when you're into this stuff and you really wish you were at a different place or whatever. Um, and then I, I paused for a second. I looked at her and I said, doesn't mean I won't sign up for it again. <laughs> I don't care. And awesome. It was like 150 bucks or something yeah. like that. And I just donated to a good group of guys that run a really cool yeah. event. I don't care about that in the slightest. It doesn't, I don't miss that $150 at all. You know what's cool about that is, and not to cut you off because I want you to keep going with that theme, but real quick on that is that, well, just because you won't ride it doesn't mean you didn't. You're not a part of it. And like you're still going to be a part of it because now I've got a corner man. Like we were gonna kind of be each other's corner men's. I mean, I don't know if we would even end up riding together or pacing <laughs> because usually I tell people to ride their own race. Yeah, um, you really can't. No, you, you gotta do your own thing. I, I wouldn't wanna be riding with someone. You're my resident expert. I'm going into this with like, he's actually basically becoming my little unofficial coach, right? Because he's actually done the ride, he's done the research. So you've, you're already, even though you're not doing the ride, you're actually serving a, 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 another purpose and still benefiting from the process. I even thought since I'm going to be up there, um, you know, after we talk and stuff, I might even contact him if there's something I could do volunteer-wise. Yeah. You, know, you know, I'm a bike, pretty pretty good bike mechanic and got a pickup that I can throw a ton of gear in or whatever if I have to drive around help people if they got problems. Well, dude, what if they do have, do they have, 
what we call like not pit stop areas, but don't they have like little rest stops and stuff? Yep, there's uh, there's stuff. Hydration stations, stuff like that. Yeah, there you go. probably going to get you know get involved at least doing something like that. Yeah, would be cool. So there you go. You're giving back to your fellow nutballs. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> See, so but knowing you, you would probably pick if you had a choice. If I were you, I would pick the stage like at between sixty to hundred. Because then, like, the hurt is probably going to be on people's faces. There's probably a lot of dirt and salt and shit all over our faces. And knowing you, you probably want to be there later on and oh, really absolutely. see the suffering. I used to go root on a bunch of people when they were in running races and stuff. And I'd be riding my bike around rooting on a bunch of friends that I had racing and stuff. And I would always... My favorite part of the race was a lot of people would leave and take off. And I'd hang out, and, you know, hang out at the end for a little while. And then a lot of times I'd ride my bike from home, you know, to Timbuktu to watch this race and then ride back. But I always like to ride back through the through the people. It's not the people that win the race that are, you know, seasoned veterans and hardcore runners that, you know, that it's amazing what they did and, and I give them all the props in the world, but it's the people that really made huge changes and are, you know, maybe struggling with a hundred different things that are coming in last, that are just dying and, and still pushing through that last little bit. Yeah. I love to, to go out to those people and like holler and say stuff and pump them up when they're, when they're you know finishing towards the end of the race, those are the people that are really going through hell. The, the guy that comes through first, he's a machine. God bless him. You know the, the guys yeah. running this one on one, they come ripping through the finish as fast as they went out the gate uh, in the start. So it's great. You high five them. They're you know they won. It's amazing. But that poor guy that comes in, you know the last ten guys, those guys are all but dead. And, and I, uh, it's funny you're bringing that up. I remember I did a Leadville qualifier. That sucks. Uh, <laughs> uh, again, it's, it's a metric century, basically, so sixty plus miles. But you, you know, these are qualified. If you guys, if you guys ever heard of Leadville, Colorado, Leadville is at ten thousand feet. So they have a famous running race there because it's altitude, and they have a famous mountain biking race there. But you have to qualify to go there. So I did a Leadville qualifier, but it was down in Texas, outside of San Antonio, on some I forget the name of the ranch. Um, that was my worst race ever. I had every possible mechanical bullshit problem go wrong with my bike. Like every lap I had a mechanical. It was beyond frustrating. But you made me think of it just now because I was one of those late guys. Like I was desperate because I wanted to make the cutoff time. And you have to you have to finish it in like under seven hours uh, to, to qualify. And it got to the point where like I was down to the granny gear chain ring. I literally seared off the pins because I was I was running a triple back then on the front. Talking gear specs, sorry guys, but I was I seared off the triple and then zip tied where the pins where the pins popped off and then made the middle ring last one more lap. Lost the middle lap. I was down to the granny, and so I had to shift the gears to tighten the chain to just to keep it alive. So I finished in granny, <laughs> and there was like. There wasn't half the, it was a small race, so there wasn't a lot of people left. Nobody, there wasn't a lot of people there. There was like five to 10 people maybe sitting there like clapping everybody in, like you're saying. And I appreciated that so much. Cause like those people hung out. And even though all the big, you know, finishers had already crushed it like hour six yeah. or whatever. So that means a lot, you know, people don't understand that. It's not always the big events too that, that are some of the most memorable events or, or in the realm of things that suck. If you're <laughs> local to this area, uh, Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania, there's an event at the Trexler Zoo called Quadzilla. Oh, yeah. It's a nine-mile trail run with hills that are almost as steep that you could crawl up like a ladder 
Um, I ran it with a GoPro headband on one year, so I videotaped the whole thing off my head. Um, I did it twice. My wife, I think,'s done it three times. She loves it, and it's it's so horrible you can't help but want to go do it again. Yeah. <laughs> again, it, it was you got to be a little mentally miswired. It was it's, brutal. Yeah. I I followed a guy at one point that I was running behind that I kept pace with him because I thought I'm going to need to either resuscitate this guy or call for somebody because he was weaving back and forth in the trail, weaving, and I could tell something was wrong. And then finally, he just lost his whereabout and literally fell over the bank. So I, I ran up and kind of helped him up and, and are you okay? And, and he's like semi-mumbling and whatever. And he's like, I'm okay, I'm okay. And I said, are you sure? You know, maybe you want to wait, I'll send somebody back. And he's like, no, I'm okay. And he kept running, so I just hung with him for a while. And, then I ended up going up ahead a little bit and, and told the people at this, uh, the watermelon stop, if anybody's ever done the event, it's very well known. Yeah. Because it's like a gourmet meal when you're out there doing this thing, when you come <laughs> across this watermelon. And I said, check on this guy, I gave a description of his clothing and stuff. If you don't see him within 20 minutes, send somebody back because he's in bad shape. And didn't that guy finish too? He finished the whole damn yeah. thing. But uh, so you know, that event was a nine mile event. I run the Philly Marathon. I, I don't ever talk about the Philly Marathon. I hated it, it was boring. Um, they, they put mile markers every mile. You might as well throw knives at me. If you, if nobody wants to run, run 26 miles and know every mile where they're at. I remember We got that. Garmin's and every bullshit under the sun. Yeah. You don't need to keep reminding us with a billboard how slow this thing's going. But. See, they did that on the, I, did the, I, did, I didn't do the Philly one, but I did the Marine Corps Marathon down in DC. That was my first marathon. And I never even did a 5K before that. And that sucked, because I, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Yeah, it's I never painful. Did it's like almost physically painful looking at those signs every For month. me, it got worse after mile 15. You know. <laughs> Once you start, I didn't really notice the signs until like mile 15, and then it's like, shit. Well, that, that was 2009. So here, just so people understand, that was in 2009. Ten years, buddy. And I went two weeks prior to the to the marathon, and was getting an MRI, and had to go in and talk to my my doctor, and ask if I could even, because this time I was 100% ready. I'd been training my ass off for this thing. And all my bike buddies were laughing their asses off that I spent so much time running and stuff. And uh, I had to ask whether or not I could physically do it, that I would not destroy my knee to the point that I just would never walk again. It was that bad. And that was 10 years ago. And then all the stuff that I've done So you've had these knee issues a long time, bro. Oh, yeah. long, long, long time. It's funny you bring that up because I did my marathon in 2008. And I also had, a, I had an IT issue lock up because I was rushing my training because I never was doing, I was, I, was, I was a cyclist. I was teaching spinning classes. I figured I could just train in three months and be ready for a marathon. You really should be training for at least six months. Um, but I didn't know. Next thing you know, the IT band's all jacked up, my knee's tight as hell. And I, that's, what, that's how I found, that's my story of how I found the power of chiropractic care and massage therapy and everything else. But same thing, I did, and real quick, for passionate runners out there, Dude, if you have no injuries and you're just built for running, keep going. I just personally do not enjoy running unless I do a Spartan <clears throat> race because that's more torturous. And I, again, we're miswired that way. So that's why I promote it. But I don't really do running events anymore because of the knees. I don't like the damage. I, I lost a bet at the Leesburg Baker's Dozen. That, that's how I ended up starting running. And I wasn't right. running around the block. That was in April. So in April of 2009, 
to September. I ran the half marathon in November. I ran the full. So go. it was just one summer from April to then that it's I actually did, year. did the did that whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah well, hey, it's ten years later. But here's the, here's one beauty thing of this. I know like it sucks you might be bowing out of the Wilderness One Hundred and One, but you're still going to be there. I'm excited. Um, but also look at look at the side benefit of this. This is something powerful. People listening and paying attention, signing up for events, committing to an event, changes everything. It changes your mindset. It changes your training. Right? Like look at all the riding that you were able to add in this season that you otherwise probably wouldn't have done. Like you were going up like pre sunrise freaking rides. I was watching you on Facebook. So yeah, yeah, as much as I could. You wouldn't have done until, that until this work insanity yeah. took over. But you think about it, fitness-wise, even though your knees are bothering you, you're actually probably in a much better situation, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And as soon as I get through this this week, I've devoted. I haven't been in the gym at all this week, but uh, I was going a lot. You know, the past, you know, prior to this week is devoted. My my gym today was more deck boards than you could ever possibly imagine. But uh, <laughs> you know, once I get through this week. Um, I'm gonna, you know, get focused on getting more back in the gym and, and just doing my regular activities and stuff. But uh, yeah. you know, just reeling in the insanity for now until we see what goes on with my knee. It's just a matter of time. It's, it's not an if; it's a when with with my knee situation. And my outlook on that anymore is it's not right now. I've got a new guy that I've been dealing with that I actually have a lot of respect for. My niece worked there with him and knows him personally, whatever. Uh, and I feel like he's the guy to be messing around with this next time around. So God forbid something happens. Um, you know, it's just an opportunity for me to get it in better shape than it is now. There you go. Uh, to hopefully, you know, work a little bit better, not cause so much pain and aching. And I, I truly agree that the, these situations might suck, but what they're doing is they're an educational process, right? You're gaining something new out of this to take away, and that's what I truly believe. Like, it might suck right now, but with new therapy or a new professional work, looking at you, working on you, and you rebuilding, I truly believe that, yeah, you might not be signing up for another Willis 101, maybe you will just to give them money, um, but you're going to come out of this with even more knowledge or in a better situation with the right amount of healing, so instead of just tearing yourself apart. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And again, your big picture is your daughter and your wife, so it's like, okay, what's better? You on crutches or you going out and still being able to do fun rides, you know, with your family? Yep. Kayaking, hiking, yeah. all sorts of stuff. So... Well, listen, we've already banged down an hour. This is very easy for us. This is what we do. We hang out in garages. We hang out in garages and we have the gift of gab. I mean, <laughs> what, what's better in life? I don't know. Um, by the way, since last time you were here, as you could tell, the stickers have made yeah, it out. Uh, you guys can't see it off camera. It's on my Instagram, but like, I've had, I have a Most massive, of you understand. I have a massive sticker collection <laughs> and I've had this toolbox that only had like five stickers on it. So I finally covered it as much as possible with as many cool stickers that I needed to get out in there. And I still have an, probably another 150 stickers that I still have to, I, I might have to go get like a garage fridge just so I can cover that with stickers. But it's a whole different <laughs> podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I have um, a garage fridge because unfortunately yeah. one of my other problems is <laughs> my love for craft beer. There you go. That does not <laughs> help. IPA. That does not help with knee recovery due to inflammatory responses. But Brian already knows that. Anyway. Uh, well, listen, Brian, guest co-host, my friend, like um, we've, we definitely hit on many different ways today to define what the struggle the struggle is real really means, right? We talked about it from a biking standpoint. We talked about it from an old ghost town standpoint. Uh, people having to move on in life, um, knee recovery, 
Wilderness 101 updates, launching of Fuel Foundation. That's a whole new chapter that you're gonna help yeah, be very, a part very of. Excited about that. So I don't know, how do you want, what do you want to sum up, man? Final words? Well, how do you want to sum up <clears> the end of the show? Um, I, I guess for today, uh, one of the things I, I put on Facebook, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave with, with base, base, basically, sorry, one word that I kind of live by and helps me kind of keep my head in the right place. And I post it on Facebook a lot, tag it on to a bunch of different things that come across. And it's the word perspective. Um, you know, I may have hurt my knee and can't do uh, this, this nutty bike event, um, but I've done many. I've done more things at this point in my life than I ever thought I would have done coming from the little town that I did. And, and you know, I, I didn't even know all this stuff was going on out here in this world. You know, all these crazy events and all these nutty people and how much fun you Emphasis can have. Emphasis on nutty. So, <laughs> so you know, it's, it's all about perspective to me. I, I wrap myself around all the right people. I was just at uh, John Dilgen's this yep. past weekend. I put a custom cat door in our buddy John Dilgen. Young man is, is living with more pain than I could ever possibly understand. And to sit there and bitch about the fact that my knee hurts and I got to walk a little bit weird or, or whatever, you know, it's, it just doesn't seem right to me. So um, I just try to keep my head in the right place and, and, and like you said before, adjust the sails and, and keep doing what I do, just, just tweak it in, in the way that's necessary. Yeah. Uh, I just tell everybody to, to keep a good perspective on, on what you got. So many people, again, I think I had something similar before, but so many people are so upset about some of the most trivial bullshit in their life and, and sit around just making it miserable for their spouses, for their kids, and, and don't even have a, a grasp on what they truly have. So yeah. um, I, I, I try to live by knowing what I got. I'm an extremely happy man. I show that gratitude all the time. And I try to give back to as many people as I can because it's just the way I think it should be. So keep a perspective out there. Keep your head up and uh, if shit happens, you know, learn to get around it. There you go. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Another update with uh, the great Brian Strauss from the Strauss Project. Thanks for hanging with us in the garage. Uh, and actually, since we did a, a couple of name drops today, uh, if you guys have hung with us this long, go on livethefuel.com, use my little search tool on there and look up D-I-L-G-E-N, Dilgen for John Dilgen, who we just brought up from Staten Island, New York. His story is powerful. There's a couple of podcasts that are heavily keyworded about him over the past year or two. You need to go listen to them. And then the other John uh, from The Bike Project is John Lahutsky. So that's L-A-H-U-T-S-K-Y, right? Okay. Correct. Search for that, L-A-H-U-T-S-K-Y. I'll make sure we get the stuff linked in the show notes on the website too, so you can just go to LiveTheFiddle.com on this episode. We'll have those past episodes linked in there because their stories are powerful. And if you're looking for some inspiration or for some people outside of Brian and I to get you to think outside the box and get you moving on some of your own, you know, for purpose ideas uh, or to help shift your perspective, holy crap, those John's stories are amazing. So anyway, thanks for hanging with us, guys. Uh, again, uh, we talk about all the time. We're here to fuel your health, business and lifestyle. Uh, Brian shared some powerful words with us today. So uh, keep in touch on the Wilderness 101 project. The race is coming up in July. My training continues. He's now going to be uh, basically my coach in the corner, guys. So thanks for hanging. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Remember, you two can live the fuel. Thanks a lot, Scott. Yep. That's it for the pod, people. <laughs> thanks for hanging on the video life. Thanks for hanging in the garage. Uh, I'm going to shut this down.
Later. Thank you for subscribing to Live the Fuel. Stay connected on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Live the Fuel. And remember, you too can live the fuel. So please visit us at livethefuel.com.